You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Ben. I'm Melina. And we're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that helps students ages 10 to 18 explore careers by connecting them to adults through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how do they get that job, or what is that job really like, then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Today we're joined by guest Tara Leonard, who is a health educator for the Tobacco Education and Prevention Program at the Santa Cruz County Health Services Agency. Welcome, Tara. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us about your background and how you got into the health field? Yeah, absolutely. I actually have probably a non-traditional background in terms of this field. I was actually an English major in college, and I had every intention of being a book editor. And so that's what I did. I moved to New York, and I worked in New York and in Boston and other places as a book editor. Mm. But then my husband got a job offer out here in Santa Cruz, actually at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And I came out here and kind of fell into a company called ETR, Education, Training, and research, Mm -hmm. which is a nationally known health education publishing company. So suddenly I brought Mm -hmm. together my publishing with the health field, and that was where my transition started. And Mm -hmm. I worked there for a number of years and went on to work at a number of other health education publishers. And at a certain point, I realized that I wanted to do more. I didn't just want to create materials about these Mm -hmm. issues. I actually wanted to be a part of the team that really makes a significant impact on the health of our youth and and our public. So I went back and got my master's in public health when my children were in high school. Wow. Yeah. So um, I I only got my master's in public health about five years ago. And then my first job after that was with the the public health department here, where I have stayed since then. And and that's that's a valuable thing to talk about, in fact, with teens, because, in fact, I started in my current job during my schooling as an intern, as a public health intern, and that translated into a full-time job. Very cool. And I've been there ever since. So, essentially, the material you were editing kind of inspired you and made you want to like join the cause essentially? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, ETR does a lot of stuff around sexuality education and drug abuse and drug Mm -hmm. prevention. So I started to get a foundation there in terms of substance use prevention, including tobacco. So we did do a lot of tobacco work. And like I said, particularly as I got older and had my own children and I started to see the influences that affect them in terms of smoking and other drugs, I felt like I needed, like I said, I needed to do more. And I felt like we needed more prevention and outreach. I mean, we talked about that a little bit later in terms of what I do now because there's so many different layers of prevention. There's one-on-one prevention like helping an individual to stop smoking but then there's there's getting policies passed in your mm-hmm. jurisdiction that are going to really help to prevent kids from ever starting to smoke. Mass it, prevention. Exactly. It's right. going to keep them from having access to things like advertising around smoking or raising the tobacco age from 18 to 21 and things like that. So my current job really moves beyond that individual one-on-one health prevention and talks about policy. And the goals of my current position are to have tobacco-related policies passed in the county of Santa Cruz. Interesting. And so what do you do now as a health educator? So it's actually really interesting because every single day is completely different. As I mentioned, our goals from our program are to have 
tobacco-related policies passed. Mm -hmm. But in order to get a policy passed, there are all sorts of steps you have to do. You can't just go to the city council and say, we want X or we want Y. You have to show that there's public support for that policy. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you get public support? You go out into the community and you go to events and you table at health fairs and you do advertising campaigns and you go into schools or you work with nonprofit organizations who work with you to educate people about why this is important. And through that process, you build support for the policy. So by the time you are working with the Santa Cruz City Council or Santa Cruz County Board of Supervisors, you can give them all sorts of data. Mm -hmm. And you can also have all sorts of people come and speak at those meetings to show Mm -hmm. that broad support. So it's not just individuals or one organization going. They're hearing from a dozen organizations, and each mm-hmm. of those organizations maybe represent a different demographic. Maybe mm-hmm. they represent Hispanic youth, or maybe they represent LGBT youth, or um, whatever diversity you feel is most effective and most most relevant, really, to the issue. Okay. And so as, as diverse as your current workload seems to be, can you maybe take us through a typical day? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about tomorrow. So tomorrow is a really interesting day because tomorrow, and this could be any Tuesday. I'm not saying it's necessarily just tomorrow. Sure. Maybe you go to a board of supervisors meeting in the morning because they're talking about one of our policy issues, which has to do around making the tobacco industry take responsibility for their tobacco waste. So we'll go to that meeting and maybe we'll speak or maybe we'll organize other people to speak on our behalf. And you're speaking to the tobacco companies? In this case, you'd be speaking to the Board of Supervisors themselves. Oh, oh, okay. Because that's the county jurisdictional body. Mm -hmm. If it were the city, right, you'd be talking to the city council or you'd be talking to the Capitola City Council. And so that's part of my job. And Mm -hmm. part of, like I said earlier, part of that is like gathering letters of support and educating speakers on how to talk to city council, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's sort of an effective way of doing that. So we're going to do that tomorrow morning. And then actually tomorrow afternoon, we're going to be going out to the Junior Guards program at Twin Lakes Beach. And we're going to be talking to a hundred local youth between Mm. the ages of about nine and about 15 about tobacco waste. Mm. So we'll do a presentation and then we're actually going to lead them through a little mini beach cleanup. So a lot of times what we're finding with youth is that tobacco waste and the issue of tobacco butts in Mm. our beaches and in our waterways and in our landfills While it's really critical in and of itself because that waste is toxic and we can talk about that more. It's also a backdoor entryway into keeping kids from smoking. Mm. Because they like their beaches. (laughs) Exactly. And when you talk to a 10-year-old, they can't even imagine being 40. Yeah. Let alone being 40 with cancer, right? They Mm -hmm. just think that that's never going to happen to them. But when you talk to them about tobacco waste and how if you put a single cigarette butt in a liter gallon fish tank, it kills half the fish in it. Mm -hmm. Or when you show them pictures like we recently did of this mother bird, I'm not going to pretend I know what kind of bird it is, feeding (laughs) their baby a cigarette butt. Did you see that? Yeah. I mean, it's devastating. It's heartbreaking. And so kids relate to that. And then Mm -hmm. when they are targeted by the tobacco industry, as they frequently are right now through things like the e-cigarettes and the Juul, They're going to go into that dynamic with already a negative impression of this industry, which is really going to give them that extra layer of protection in terms of saying no to this industry because they know that it's not just bad for your body, Mm -hmm. it's bad for the planet Mm -hmm. as well. Can you give an overview of the duties and responsibilities that you have for this job? Yes. Broadly, for sure. I mean, again, we're, we're, it all has to lead up to policy. So we always mm-hmm. want to make sure that everything we're doing is linking to policy. Mm-hmm. 
but that includes a lot. So I might be at Earth Day at a booth at San Lorenzo Park for Earth Day, and we have this big container of 25,000 cigarette butts that have been picked up in the city of Santa Cruz, and we'll turn that into a game where we'll have kids guess how many cigarette butts are in this container. (laughs) First of all, it's just disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's like a, it's crazy. And so people see it from like 20, 30 feet away and they come over and go, what is that? It's almost like a performance art piece or something. It is. It's so gross. And then we turn that into opening the door to that conversation. So we're going to public events. We're going and talking to youth. We are, um, putting on advertising campaigns. Like we recently had a big advertising campaign that you might've seen on the side of buses having to do with flavored tobacco. And it said something like, um, looks like candy, tastes like candy, kills like tobacco. I think I've seen that. Making that connection. So we work with advertising agencies on that. We have a billboard up in Watsonville right now about that. We also talk, we have this tobacco education coalition, as I mentioned, and part of my job is is convening people for that coalition. And so we work with places like the United Way and Community Prevention Partners, and we also work with the environmental groups like Save Our Shore Mm -hmm. and O'Neill Sea Odyssey. So anytime you can make those connections with other organizations that have shared goals and objectives, that's like my favorite part Mm -hmm. of the whole job. So can I give you an example of that? Please. Okay. So let's talk about last year for World Oceans Day. So for World Oceans Day, we thought, oh, this is a great opportunity to link to like a bigger thing that's going on and have people's awareness raised through our program. Mm -hmm. So we reached out to the MA, who, as you know, has these incredible First Friday events. Mm -hmm. And we said, how about on a First Friday, we do a toxic tobacco waste event? Mm -hmm. And they were like, that's a great idea. That's great. But it has to have an art component. Yeah. So we came up with this really cool idea where we had an event where we had booths and we had tables and we had a slideshow and we had information. But what we had the kids do is create these like three foot tall, larger than life cigarette butts. Mm -hmm. And on the butts, they wrote messages to the tobacco industry, like sea lions don't smoke or no butts on my beach. Mm. And we had about a hundred of these made. Um, I want to see pictures of those. I can definitely show you those. Yeah, Yeah. it's really cool. And so that was on World Oceans Day. And then what we did is we partnered with Save Our Shores Mm -hmm. and with the Downtown Streets team. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Not really. So the Downtown Streets team is a homeless services nonprofit here in Santa Cruz. And what they do is they help people who are experiencing homelessness by having those individuals help to do like city beautification projects. Okay, I think I've seen them around. The, did now. they do the mural downtown? Or that was a different... I don't know. They might have. I mean, they have their finger in a lot of pies. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, what they do is they do cleanups, like mm-hmm. downtown cleanups, riverway cleanups, beach cleanups. Mm-hmm. And in exchange, they are hooked up to a wide variety of social services. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of hooked up with the downtown streets team as well. And so we had a cleanup event. A beach cleanup event. Well, honestly, there are those almost every weekend in Santa Cruz, right? right? Yeah. So we wanted this to be different and unique. And so what we did is for every cigarette butt that you picked up, Mm -hmm. you replaced it with one of the three feet tall cigarette butts. Oh. (laughs) So by the end of an hour down at Cal's Beach, there's this sea of cigarettes. Because the point is, People don't see it. And we wanted to make a point about what a big issue this is. And people were walking by just like, what is going on? What are you doing? So it created 
interest. It created media. We had all sorts of news stories about it. Um, and we even had one gentleman walk by and he came down like, what are you doing? This is so great. And it turned out that he was visiting from D.C. where he was on the board of the Surf Rider Foundation. Ooh. And he was like, this is amazing. We have to do this. We yeah. had to recreate okay. this back in D.C. Mm. So that that sort of couple of week activity yeah. sort of draws together all of the different pieces, parts mm-hmm. of what our office does mm-hmm. in terms of bringing partners to the table, reaching out to the public, educating them about the issue doing it in sort of a different, interesting, artistic, unique way Mm -hmm. because you need to break through people's barriers in terms of, oh, I'm so tired of hearing Mm -hmm. about that. so tired of hearing about that. Um, Particularly right now, you have to walk that line between not being too negative about the environment. You don't want to overwhelm you um, because with global warming and everything else, it can be a little scary. And so our approach on the environmental side is to always give kids... um, steps that they can take, Mm -hmm. things that they can do, people they can write to, activities they can take Mm -hmm. part of, so that they feel empowered to actually make a difference. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing is always, don't smoke. (laughs) Don't give this industry your money. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM, Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by other host, Ben. We're speaking with Tara Leonard, who is a health educator for the Tobacco Education and Prevention Program at the Santa Cruz County Health Services Agency. And we're learning about her career journey. And uh, could you go into what kind of skills or qualities are most important to have in this kind of position and how you came about to acquire those skills? Yeah, absolutely. I think... um... I don't want to give people the impression that being a health educator is specific to tobacco. So I work Mm -hmm. on a hall at the public health department that's called community health education. And community health education includes a number of programs. We have nutrition education. We have what's called safe and active transportation. So those are people that focus on pedestrian and bike safety. So there's really quite a diversity of things that health educators can do. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of what I feel like you need to do in terms of the position that I'm in right now. Mm-hmm. It's important that you are a um, collaborative person. It's important that you go to events and make connections because you don't want to just be alone in the front of a room talking about tobacco. Mm-hmm. People have been hearing about that for over 50 years now right. since the Surgeon General's report back in the 60s. Mm-hmm. We've made a ton of progress. You also have to be able to take the latest data and the latest research and translate that into the kinds of messages that the average youth can understand, right? You can't be up there going blah, 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 nicotine, neurotoxins, yada, 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 right? You have to be able to say to kids, well, what do you care about? And Mm -hmm. how is this going to affect you, right? Maybe you're an athlete and it's going to affect your ability to breathe, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe you're saving money for something important and why would you be wasting your money giving it to big tobacco? Mm -hmm. And again, maybe you're a surfer or maybe you're someone who just hikes and bites and loves nature. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to be involved in an industry that, that is devastating that environment. So that's another good skill. You have to be a good communicator. Mm-hmm. A, a very big part of my job is going out in public and sharing these issues with the public. And you have to do it in a compelling and relevant way. And you do that differently when you're talking to a fifth grader yeah. than when you're talking right. to a bunch of adults. Absolutely. Right? So you have to be able to sort of translate things in a different way and at a different level. But I think the most important thing in terms of being a health educator is you have to be passionate and you have to be committed to your cause. Because when you are passionate about something, it comes through 
And it really engages other people Mm -hmm. in becoming passionate about that issue. And is there a common misconception that people have about your career or maybe tobacco? Well, there's there's a lot of different ways to answer that question. I think the biggest common misconception would be about public health in general. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly with all the issues that we're facing in Santa Cruz, there's a misconception that unless you are a direct client of the public health department, that public health doesn't impact you. You know, oh, I don't use that clinic or I don't need those services. But in fact, all day, every single day, public health impacts all of us. Public health is why you wear a seatbelt. Public health is why you wear a helmet. Public health is why you get vaccinated. Public health is why you have fluoridated water. So one of the goals across public health in general is making people more aware of that everyday impact. And part of that is coming on shows like this and explaining to people that public health is not just for the few, but that the whole Mm -hmm. concept of public health is that it's across the board. And it benefits everyone. It benefits everyone, exactly. That's why they call it public health. There you go. (laughs) Well, Um, and people don't always understand that public health is different than medical, uh, right? Like when you're talking to a doctor, you're one-on-one, and the only concern is you. Yes. Is this medicine the best thing for you? Is this the Mm -hmm. best action for you? But public health has to make decisions based on what's best for everyone. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to smoking, that's an argument we get a lot. People come back and say, look, I'm an adult. I'm allowed to make my own decisions, even if they're stupid ones. And that is true. But you are not allowed to make that decision if the secondhand smoke from your product is harming everyone else who didn't get an option, right? right. Mm-hmm. And tobacco waste is like that as well, right? There's only 12% of the public in, in California who smokes. But 100% of us need to deal with the thousands of cigarette butts that are under our feet every single day. Does that seem fair? And and when you talk to people about that, they kind of go, oh, wow, I never really thought of it that way. So yeah, I never thought the number would be so small. 12% yeah. in California? Uh-huh, That's 12%. Crazy. California has the second lowest smoking rate in the country. Can you guess who has the lowest smoking rate? Uh, Hawaii? I don't know. <laughs> Not in Vermont. It's actually Utah. Utah. Oh, interesting. Because okay. Mormons right. are not allowed oh, yeah. to smoke or drink. So they have a, a much lower... Least, least amount of everything. No caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it is interesting. And that is a reflection of how we have done such good work in California, but it's also a reflection of our model mm-hmm. because our model is that California, several decades ago, put through Prop 88 and now Prop 56, where people who buy tobacco pay an excise tax on that product, Mm -hmm. and that money is all sent to Sacramento through a program called the California Tobacco Control Program. And the California Tobacco Control Program sends it back out to all of the local jurisdictions to do tobacco work. Mm -hmm. So ironically, the people who, those 12% of people who are smoking are paying for these very anti-smoking education and prevention mm-hmm. programs across the state. Wow. And uh, do you have any interesting stories you could share with us about your job? You know, I feel like my job is interesting every... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but interesting stories. Every single day. I mean, in terms of interesting stories, I think some of the most interesting stories are the amount of tobacco waste that we find when we're out there. People tend to be shocked by that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things about tobacco waste is because the little tobacco filters are so small, you don't see them until you're asked to see them. And then, so you go out on a beach that you think is pretty clean, Mm -hmm. and then it's not so clean when you really look at it. I think another interesting, it's kind of a sad but interesting story, is we were talking with someone who's in charge of the wharf 
here in Santa Cruz. And he had a real problem with seeing the tobacco waste because he would stand there and watch fishermen flick their cigarette butts into the water where they are fishing for the food that they're going to (laughs) eat that night. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hard to believe. And so he decided that he was going to put out these fabulous... I think, but dispensers mm-hmm. that look like lighthouses, and so it fit oh. in with the with the whole wharf, and it looked really mm-hmm. great. Cool. And they were like perniciously vandalized. Oh. People knocked them over with their cars. People threw them in the water. Thank goodness. I know it's wow. it's shocking, and yeah. so I think that one of the interesting stories about this is that smokers are feeling somewhat under attack right now. And so you have to approach this issue from a perspective of not blaming the smoker. Mm. And our approach at the Tobacco Coalition is that we want to put the responsibility on the industry. Mm. It is the industry that is doing this to people, that is addicting people to this product. And the industry is the one that should be taking responsibility for the waste that they're generating. Mm. We're not out to make smokers out to be the bad guy. And uh, for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM, Santa Cruz. I'm Ben, and I'm joined by our other host, Melina. We're speaking with Tara Leonard and learning about their journey to becoming a health educator. Have you had to make any difficult decisions or face any challenges in your career as a health educator? Yes. I think that there are always some interesting challenges that have to be made in terms of priorities because there's so much work that has to be done and you have to decide what you're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to tobacco right now, we are seeing this huge increase in the use of Juul products and electronic cigarettes. So we've got that going on. We've got the the waste issue. We've got issues around... um, sales to youth and enforcement of sales to youth, like that's sort of a whole nother issue. I think in terms of challenges, you want to make sure in all health education that you are meeting your audience where they are. And so this gets back to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier, that if I'm going into a classroom in Watsonville of young students, I'm going to talk to them in a different way and from a different perspective than if I'm talking to a high school class or professionals. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges there and across all health education is making sure that you're being like culturally appropriate, Mm -hmm. that you're being culturally aware, right? This comes up sometimes in the issues around nutrition, for instance, like maybe you're going into a classroom of students at Santa Cruz High and you're saying, well, you know, the right thing to do is to eat organic. But then you have to keep in mind that if you're going into a classroom of fifth graders in Watsonville, that maybe their parents are working in agricultural industries. Mm -hmm. Maybe their parents are being exposed to the very pesticides Mm -hmm. that we're saying are not good for the rest of us. And that can give those kids a very different perspective. Maybe it makes them feel worried for their parents, or maybe Mm -hmm. it makes them feel guilty. So you want to make sure that you're always sort of catering your messages to your audience in the most Mm -hmm. sort of culturally and age appropriate way. That is a challenge across the board mm. in public health. I think that's a challenge for like most industries, aside from public health, too. I think so, absolutely. Yeah. It's just that public health so frequently is very personal to people because it gets down to very personal issues about mm. what you eat right. and who you <clears throat> engage with and right. how you do that on a daily basis. Um, I think that can be very similar when we talk about the um, pedestrian bike safety issues, right? We, I used to work in bike and pedestrian safety before I switched over to tobacco, mm-hmm. and we would do focus groups. And what was interesting is you have to be aware of the different socioeconomic and cultural forces in North mm-hmm. County and South County. Mm-hmm. And so at South Ca- in North County, everyone was like, yeah, I ride my bike and it's so cool and yada, yada, yada. 
But they're talking about maybe a $5,000 mountain bike. Yeah. And then when you go to South County, it was interesting because what we were hearing from the students down there is that not having to ride a bike was a social status symbol. (laughs) If you were able to afford a car, that was considered really cool and a social status. And, you know, why would you why would you ride a bike if you could afford a car? And so you, you, it takes a little digging to sort of come to those realizations of what the differences are. And the best way to do that is to not kind of swoop in as the expert, mm-hmm. but instead have um, a little assessment beforehand. Mm-hmm. And be informed by who you're talking to. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You want to say to them, what do you see as yeah. one of the biggest issues in your community around this topic? Mm-hmm. What do you want us to do rather than just come in and tell them what to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that's sort of a growing awareness across public health mm-hmm. in general. And what is the most rewarding part of your career? I think the most rewarding part of my career, obviously the most rewarding part of my career is when we get policies passed. And we're having quite a bit of luck with that right now, thanks to the leadership of our local policymakers. So in um, November of 2018, the Santa Cruz City Council, thanks to Martine Watkins, really showed leadership in being the first jurisdiction in the county to pass a ban on the sale of all flavored products in the city. So that includes electronic cigarettes, that includes little cigarillos and Swisher Sweets and uh, flavored chewing tobacco. Mm-hmm. Once that happened, Once you get sort of that first policy, the other jurisdictions kind of perk up and are interested in joining on board. And so since that happened, the County Board of Supervisors passed a similar policy. Just a couple weeks ago, the Capitola City Council passed a similar policy. And we are currently in conversation with the Watsonville City Council in Mm -hmm. passing a policy. So it's it's really satisfying to see what has been, you know, more than two years worth of work actually resulting in something like that. Mm But what's actually the, the more satisfying part is when you go out and talk to kids about this stuff and they get it. Yeah. You see the light go on, that they mm-hmm. are being targets, that they are being used, that they are just dollar signs to this industry. Mm-hmm. And so when you see a fifth grader, a sixth grader, a seventh grader kind of get that mm-hmm. and go, oh, I'm never going to smoke. You're like, yes, mm-hmm. all right, it's working. Mm-hmm. All that work is actually working. And that's also one of the reasons why we're so devastated right now about the Juul epidemic and about the fact that after all of this success with kids, understanding that smoking is terrible for you, somehow they didn't get that message around the e-cigarettes. Things like Juul came in, they told kids that this was a healthier alternative, and Mm -hmm. kids believed it. And now as we're getting a few more years into this epidemic, we're realizing that the e-cigarettes and the Juul are using all of the same strategies that Big Tobacco used with cigarettes. There's a lot of misinformation, there's a lot of targeting to youth, Mm -hmm. and so we're playing catch-up. We are definitely playing catch-up and going, having to sort of go back around and recreate those messages with kids. And all we're doing is changing the word cigarette to the word e-cigarette. What's something that you wish someone had told you before you got into this job about this career field in public health? I think the thing to keep in mind is that policy takes a while. And if you're an A-type personality and you're like, I'm going to get this done... That's not always the best approach, that you have to lay the groundwork. You have to go out in the community. You have to make those connections. You have to write the op-eds and do the advertising and go to the events and do the presentations. And then that all builds on each other and builds on each other and builds on each other. And so every step leads to the next step and the next step and the next step. And so right now we're having a lot of success with the flavors. 
But thus far, we have not had success with any of the waste policies that we're trying to get passed. Mm -hmm. And you have to say to yourself, okay, this is new. No one else has done this. Um, so we're kind of learning as we go. Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely no doubt that we are going to have success with the waste policies in the next couple of years. And when we do, I think we'll see a lot of other jurisdictions in California following suit. I hope so. Yeah. And uh, is there any advice that you could give young people who are interested in health education, potentially as a career? Yeah, I think the most important thing that you can do is hitch your wagon to someone who is doing one of these jobs. Look into internship opportunities, look into summer options, look into some of the ROP programs that are available in our community. I know that when my son was in high school, he was interested in sports medicine and there was a great sports medicine ROP program at Harbor. Make sure you talk to as many people as you can talk to. I mean, if you want to give me a call. Most of the educators that I know are more than happy to talk to young people about their positions and introduce them to other connections and give them resources. So don't be shy. Don't be shy about reaching out to professionals in the field. All right. Well, thank you for being our guest today. Thanks so much. This is great. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning in to today's career story with your host, Melina, and myself and our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Tara Leonard, who is a health educator. If you have any questions or like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM, KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays, or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening.